Hey, people, I don't think I'm the only person out there who enjoys a wonderful record shop. Locally owned and independent. So that's why I'm here to talk about The Groove in East Nashville. If you haven't heard, they are possibly going to have to close their doors unless we help save their store. So there are a couple ways that you can help. You can go to GoFundMe.com and donate to The Groove. Or you can go to a couple shows that are benefit shows for The Groove. This Saturday on the 18th of December, The Groove is having a show in their backyard. Performances with Raygun, Hurts to Laugh, Megan and Shane, Sonitar, and Majestica Lynn. Donations at the door. So it's technically a free show, but donation will go towards benefiting keeping their shop alive. There's also another show in January at my favorite venue in the entire world, Exit In. That show will feature the Phantoms of Saturn, Glamper, Bad Culture, and it will be hosted by Mars. That is on January 13th. Doors will open at 7 p.m., show at 8 p.m., and that is a $10 cover charge for that show. So again, go check out thegroovenashville.com or go to GoFundMe and you can search The Groove Nashville and help keep this mom and pop shop alive. Okay, let's see if we can get this done without any traffic noise in the background. Let's do the show. is up podcast nerds welcome to the show my name is clark wayne this is episode 13 of clockwork nights if you are new welcome here i hope you make yourself at home whether you're in the car or on the couch or in bed just get comfortable this is going to be a great conversation today with brad blazik one of the co-hosts of single podcast theory a pearl jam podcast He's also one of my good buddies. So we get into a lot of fun things and and talk about how we got to know each other and who introduced us, et cetera, et cetera. All that and more in the next few moments. How are you doing? How is your weekend? Oh, my goodness. A wild weekend it has been for middle America, specifically here in the South. And in parts of the Midwest, if you've been sleeping under a rock, you may not know about the tornado that went through multiple states. Right now, currently, uh, over 100 people are unaccounted for. I believe the death toll has risen up to close to 70 people. It's pretty sad and pretty wild. Um, all right, uh, well, let's talk about it. I, I I have to talk about what my wife and I went through, and 
I typically don't get very personal on the podcast and talk about things pertaining to what my wife and I go through. That's that's kind of um that's kind of a territory that I I keep private. But I think after after the other night, um, I'm, I'm learning that it's it can be good to let out emotions and and let things be out there in the world. And the other night was scary. It was <laughs> it, it was it was intense. It was insane. It was really wild to realize how not in control I am how I can't fix what's happening around me in that moment. Uh, So to back up going to Friday night, we knew the storms were going to be coming in Friday night, stayed at home all night. It was literally the calm before the storm. Typically in our area of Nashville, it's very busy on a Friday night. You'll hear cars going back and forth. Um, you know the the souped up kind of street cars like to race around in this area a lot, or do burnouts in the the park close to the house. But it's eerily quiet. Pause the TV, hear nothing. You look outside, and it's just still. And it was like that for hours hours. So we turn on News Channel 5, start keeping updated, notice that they're not even showing Colbert or whoever else because the storms are starting to hit western Tennessee. And there's a first wave. It's a first wave that they're really concerned about. This front line of the storm, making sure that people in western and middle Tennessee are prepared. Check in News Channel 5 and severe, uh, Nash severe weather. It's a a independent weather meteorologist group of people who are wonderful. They tweet a lot. They have a website where they keep people updated in the middle of the storm. Again, that's Nash Severe Weather. Yeah, I was just doing doing our best to be aware. So about midnight, decided to die down, keep the TV on. I'm just going to stay up as long as I could to be on the couch, monitor the second storm that was for sure going to hit the Nashville area and dozed off around 1.30 in the morning and woke up to the sirens at about 3, 3.30 in the morning. They, uh, The park behind the house has a siren, so you, you cannot escape it. And that's when the adrenaline started kicking in. You know, it was just here very recently when the flood hit South Nashville and it was the same feeling. It's like, okay, put on your shoes, put on your clothes, make sure you've got your wallet and your keys and your phone all in a little bag and close to you. Started getting out the blankets, putting them in the hallway. Got the cushions from the couch, stuffed them in there, made sure my wife had her uh, roller skating helmet on because there's the attic entrance right above us and just in case something falls out of the attic, wanted to make sure that she was okay. And then start realizing maybe this isn't 
maybe this isn't safe enough. So that there's the little coat closet and started clearing out the coat closet and get things out of the coat closet and, and tearing those out, putting it in the kitchen and, and making sure that, you know, if anything, we could get inside the coat closet. The, the news people were saying, hey, in case your power goes out, you can pull our live stream up on your phone. So started getting that going. And before you knew it, you could just hear it. You could just hear that things were picking up, that it was go time. No longer do I feel comfortable even walking five feet to look through the window because I don't know what's going to happen. And then it just, it's, it's here. And the power went out. And it's like, okay, now we're going to transition to looking at our phones, getting out our phone lights. This is, this is the moment we prepared for. This is why we did all the things we did throughout the evening to make sure that we were in a good spot, you know, bringing in the grill, uh, just all the little things, closing all the doors to the hallway. And the weirdest, strangest, craziest, loudest sound started shooting through our home. I thought it was the garage door in the back bending. I was completely wrong. I, I now know that a almost 100 foot tall pine tree fell in our backyard. We have a line of pine trees along the Seven Mile Creek that is in our backyard. And one of them fell and, and was wedged between another tree. But it, it was it, it was crazy because it's like as a kid growing up in the Midwest, you're always told that a tornado is going to sound like a freight train. And I was trying to rationalize that sound by saying, okay, that's the garage door. But it was so surround sound loud. I had no idea. I had no idea what's going on. I'm, I'm keeping things together. I'm trying to keep things together for my wife. I'm trying to think of all my neighbors that are in similar positions. I was texting with family across town, was texting with all of my neighbors around me, making sure everyone's awake. Are you good? People were texting back, we're good. We're on the lower level. We're in our hallway. We're in our bathroom. A couple down the street, they're in their closet. Everyone seems to be okay. We just don't know. And after seeing the footage of what happened in Kentucky, it's humbling because we did everything, as did probably all of those people. And it doesn't feel like it's enough sometimes. I'm sorry. You, um, you do all that you can. But the reality is, is, is that your immortality starts to set in. You start to realize this could be it. I've only been here a couple times in my life and this is one of them and this, this could be it. This, this might be the last time you kiss your loved one. It might be the last time you send that text to whoever to say, take care of yourself, be, take, be safe. I love you. Heart emoji, whatever, you know. Um, thankfully, the tree in our yard 
was the worst thing that happened. It's just under the tree, just did a live video. After doing the live video, just kind of walked around a little bit more, just kind of looking at the magnolia that's in the backyard. And it's a perfectly healthy magnolia. And branches were just snapped off the magnolia. They weren't dead branches. I, I, knew, I, I sit under that tree every other day trying to soak in the, the warm weather, <laughs> even in, in December in, in, in Nashville. You can, you can still do that here. I, I know what those branches look like. They're, they're all green leaves. And now they're, they were twisted off. They're broken off, whatever, by the wind and the power of the storm. It's pretty wild. And I, I'm so glad that everyone that I know so far is safe. People who I've interviewed on the podcast who live in that area, um, people in Nashville, you know, talked about this before, but Nashville went through a severe tornado just before the pandemic hit. So this was very triggering for many, many people in this area. And then just having gone through the flood in the same house about nine months ago, that was also triggering for me. And I, I had to work out that PTS all spring and summer and into the fall to make sure that I was handling that okay. Because it was rough. It was, it was bad. And this was bad too. And about, I don't know, 5.30 Saturday morning after the storms had passed, still hearing news of how it's moved into other areas, still can't let my mind rest because it's like, I know it's not over for everyone else. And I lost it. I lost my shit. I, I was sobbing. Because it's heavy. And it's, uh, it's scary. You know, it's, it's terrifying. And it's very sad to know that people are literally about to go. They went. You were almost one of them. I was glad that I could cry. As weird as that sounds, you know, I've, I've been preaching this mantra to my friend, my friend Brittany and I used to work across from each other and we'd talk about all the time how cool it was to cry. You know, it's, it's a good, healthy release. It's good for you to, to let it out. And I was just talking with my neighbor Katie last night. It's good for your skin. It's good for your body to let out those chemicals. Tears. They're healthy. Your body's built in a way to, to let itself release out the bad energy or, or the, the pent-up feelings. There's been many times in my life where I have been a desert. I've been dried out. I've just been like, I wish I could cry. Watching movies that were emotional. I mean, I, I have been emotional in the past. And I think like I just kind of got to a point in my early thirties because I was combating being an emotional person so hard that I just stuffed it all down. And this year things just kind of came to a head, you know, like I've heard this from a few people that like, we thought 2020 was bad, but somehow 2021 has turned into kind of a, a worse year because 
at least for me, I think going into the pandemic, you think like, okay, this this thing has a timeline. It's going to be done. Like we're we're going to fix it. Modern science, blah blah blah. Everyone will get on board. Give us six months tops. Oh my gosh, six months without concerts, six months without ball games, six months without going to my favorite bar or whatever, you know, or or possibly six months without seeing my mom. And then it'll be done. And then it wasn't. It wasn't. And then Mother Nature and life and people and things continued to just do their thing. It's been rough. And I hope you are taking care of yourself. Hope you are surrounding yourself with people that you trust. You know, it's, it's not about just respecting someone. Uh, there's many people in my life that I respect, but I don't know them well enough to trust them in an intimate way or to trust them with maybe my feelings. There's, there's a new level of a friendship or a relationship when, when you go from just respecting the person to all of a sudden it's like, no, 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 now I'm entrusting myself to you. I hope you have those people in your life. I hope you can find them. I hope you can surround yourself, that you can cry with them, that you can be silent with them, that you can rejoice with them. It's needed. Being on an island or being out in a boat tossed around by the waves isn't fun, and I've been there. I'm going to have to figure out these feelings and allow the tears or allow the emotions to just take their waves. But I guess there's this tiny little celebratory part of me that is just grateful I was able to cry. That's where I am. (laughs) Grateful that I know how to cry. Listen, I've talked about the groove so many times over the last few podcasts, and I don't want to be shy from talking about them just one more time on this episode. There are a couple benefit shows that you can attend here in Nashville. Uh, one is this Saturday at the Groove in their backyard where they do a lot, lots of shows. They're asking for donations um, for a cover charge. You can see local acts there. And then also at the Exit Inn in Nashville, you can catch a show on January 13th, which just just in there yesterday to you know go check in and... and peruse the vinyl. <laughs> it's an amazing shop. I'm, I'm grateful for them and grateful for what they represent and who they represent. It's just, I guess that's, that's one of the, the waves and the emotions of the, the, going through something like this. Sorry, I'm gonna, I, I'm kind of mumble jumbled, whatever. You either accept me for who I am or not. <laughs> I don't know how much editing I'm really going to do ap- after this episode. I, I just, Man, it is what it is. So go check out The Groove. Uh, Go check out Gorilla Biscuits. Gorilla Biscuits is still giving 10% of their vinyl sales to The Groove. Was able to go buy Gorilla Biscuits yesterday and pick up a limited edition of the Dare record that they got in against all odds. So very grateful. That was talked about on the episode with 
Zach and Allie of Grill Biscuits. I was able to get it. <laughs> also, before I forget, I was interviewed by David Onan over at feversofthemind.com. Fevers of the Mind is a poetry and art blog where you can find writings, poetry, short stories, and reviews. Um, so please go check that out. My buddy David interviewed me, and it was a lot of fun to answer those questions. Again, that is at feversofthemind.com. All right, moving on to more grateful things. I am extremely grateful for Brad Blazik. Brad is an amazing human. He's a great dad. He's a fan of music, fan of the Chicago Cubs. You know we're friends. <laughs> the guy saw the Foo Fighters play when they first toured with Mike Watt and Eddie Vedder on their first national tour of America. I mean, <laughs> am I am I like part in love with this guy, part jealous of this guy? Absolutely. <laughs> We're buddies, right? We know how to talk about Rizzo, Bryant, Baez. We know how to talk about Foo Fighters, Pearl Jam, Metallica, and growing up in the Midwest. We can, we just, there's kind of this connection. Like we, we have things in common. We also can connect on trying to be better humans and empathize with the world around us. When we went to St. Louis earlier this year, uh, that was when I was still doing the push-up videos on my Instagram account. Uh, Brad was nice enough to give me a free ticket to go see the Cubs play against the St. Louis Cardinals. It was my first time getting to go to a Cubs cards game in St. Louis. And there was just a handful of times hanging out, driving around, trying to get pizza after the game where Brad's personality really shined through in the conversations that we were having. Every time I'm around him, I feel like I'm a better person. Like I, I, I'm, I love better because of people like Brad. Um, but Brad got to come into town a, a couple weeks ago. Has it been a couple weeks ago? <laughs> Gosh, it feels longer than that. And we got to hang out in my living room and it was just a good time to catch up, hang out, you know, not have an event going on and just really just talk. Like normally we, you know, message each other, check in, whatever, talk about whatever. But this time we got to literally just like hang and really just, I don't know, learn about each other. So you're going to hear that. You're going to hear us learning about each other and sharing things. And it's going to be a good time. I hope you enjoy it. You can always let me know what you think of the podcast by writing to clockworknightspodcast at gmail.com. Uh, but yeah, you know what? Let's let's just get to it. Please welcome friend of Clark Wayne. <laughs> Not friend of the podcast, friend of Clark Wayne, Mr. Brad Lazik. Welcome to my house. Yeah, I like it. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Yeah. You're enjoying the Tempur-Pedic couch. It's very comfortable. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is that what it is? Tempur-Pedic? Yeah. Is it really? Wow. It really is. Okay, cool. It was a selling point. Yeah. You know, spent a, a little bit more money on it to get that, but I've fallen asleep on that thing so many times. Yeah. So much easier than my own bed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we just got back from having tacos at Tempo, a coffee shop in Nashville. Both got some some breakfast tacos. 
you got the chorizo. Chorizo and potato. Chorizo and potato. I love chorizo. Yeah, and we both got <laughs> bean and cheese. Yeah. Right? And I got some potato and beans and cheese and beans, I think. So it's a good spot. Yeah. I can go back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we've we've kind of covered some ground, gotten some energy started for the podcast today. And then there were still some topics where we're like, oh shoot, like can't. Yeah, let's put that on hold till yeah. we still till we record. Can't talk about that yet. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we were just kind of talking about what it looked like for both of us to be brought up in religious homes mm-hmm. or homes that were relig- were religious at times. Yeah. And for me, like something I was going to mention in the car was like, yeah, like that was that is exactly why discovering music that I love was such a big deal to me because it was a breath of fresh air growing up and it was kind of my escape. Definitely. To have an or it was like an outlet, I guess. Right. You know, it was know. something different to cling on to and to do, I guess. Yeah. You know, listening to music and being a part of that world instead of this like stifling home life type thing, hmm. you know, with the, with religion. And like I said, it, I just never like, I always questioned all the stories and religion and teachings. I always kind of questioned it. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, it's weird. Some people are just like, well, you just have to believe and that's it. And I'm not someone that can just believe, like I have to go like and read and Google and get all kind of information and try to find answers that line up with my questions. Yeah. And a lot of what I heard as a kid was you just have to believe, like don't question it, just believe it, Hmm. you know? But so what I'm saying is, but music was something that was totally different from that world, Yeah, you know? And it was more like open and I don't know. Uh, I don't know if that makes sense. Sure. <laughs> it was just, uh, I don't know. It was a different, totally different thing than what was going on at home and at school because I went to Catholic school. Okay. So what, what years were you in Catholic school? Kindergarten through seventh. Wow. And then we moved. So I went to a public school, eighth grade. And then when I went to high school, it was a public school. Was that a good or bad experience going from Catholic school to public school? <laughs> it was like the, the worst, um, the, the worst ever. Really? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, I really appreciated the Catholic school, the like strictness of the Catholic school. Okay. Because those public school kids were like animals. <laughs> no, uh, just, you know, I, <laughs> They were so strict at the Catholic school that we wouldn't do anything. You had some order. Yeah. And man, you go to public, public school, those kids just, they just did whatever they wanted. Yeah. The bullying was off the charts. And oh, wow. It was, it was, it was bad. Okay. It was rough. That was my next question. If <laughs> bullying was better or worse right. in one or the other. Right. Yeah. I thought it was bad in Catholic school okay. until I went to public school. And then I was like, this is... It was culture shock for for sure. Hmm. Yeah. What did it look like? Were you guys Catholic growing up? And that's why you went to the Catholic school? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And then how strict or loose, as, you know, because I've heard many different 
stories of people growing up in a Catholic home. Mm. There's some homes that were very lenient, you know, as far yeah. as music and culture. Um, yeah. It, like I said, we weren't very religious. Like we were the Christmas and Easter churchgoers, mm -hmm. but the rest of the year we weren't. But I got church through school. Sure. You know, but we didn't go as a family like every Sunday. Because you would have taken mass at Catholic right. school, right? Yeah. Every Wednesday morning. Okay. <laughs> it was mass. Yeah. Um, and as, but as far as like home life, like we were Catholic, but again, we weren't, we didn't really like practice it. And, but my mom was pretty strict, but it wasn't like, like you said, you weren't allowed to watch certain movies. Correct. She didn't really like crack down on us like that. Like you can't watch that because of religious things. Mm -hmm. It was basic. Like you're a kid, you can't watch this. Okay. But yeah, I mean, it was kind of strict kind of a strict upbringing, but not with like the religious overtones, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Sure. You know. And what kind of background did your parents have? Like you're from Illinois. Right. Were you born? My parents were born in Chicago. Okay. I was born in the suburbs, about 30 miles north of Chicago, mm -hmm. like right in the middle of Chicago and the Wisconsin border. That's where we were in Illinois. Okay. So. Nice. Yeah, I miss it. <laughs> yeah, it's cold there, which we were just talking on the car. Yeah. It's nice to be in the South yeah. where it's warm. Yeah. Even going two hours North to see my family for the holidays gets cold. <laughs> just right. those two hours make a difference. Yeah. And, um, for those of you who don't know, uh, Brad and I have bonded over Chicago Cubs, Metallica, other bands, music, just life stuff. Like right. we're both from the Midwest. So we originally met through another podcast that I've talked about before called metal up your podcast. That's ran by a couple of buddies of ours. Right. And Brad is also a part of, I always mess up the title. Is it a single theory? Single podcast theory. Dang it. All right. So I was definitely <laughs> screwing it up at the coffee shop. Single Podcast theory, yes, which is an all Pearl Jam, right? Podcast, yes, yeah, just like possibly one of the most comfortable podcasts I've ever done because it's like you know, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> like we just went into mode, like radio voice mode immediately, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but we met in January of 2019 when Metallica came to town the night before. The Metal Up guys were doing their, what, like third or fourth anniversary or maybe even... Second. Second. Was it second or third? I think you're right. I think it was a second. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then, I'm trying to remember, we met that night. That's kind of a blur. But I remember we walked out of the show together and that's when it was like, you know, we're making a connection mm -hmm. with Cub stuff. Right. And, my name's Clark. Yeah. Wrigley Field's on Addison and Clark. Yeah, and everyone right. has their connection to yeah. either Wrigley or the Cubs. Yeah, that's just kind of a snippet of how we've gotten to know each other. We've right. kept in touch since that show. And that culture that the Metal Up guys have created is a fantastic Yeah, definitely. A culture. Like a Even if you're not like a big Metallica fan, like as far as metal goes, they just have a great group of people that yeah. follow them and whatnot. Yeah. And I'd say like our friendship is a result. Totally. Of their subculture. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Cause I mean, 
I remember we were, we were, I, th- I think we just happened to both be sitting at the bar and we just started talking and it was, if, if, if I remember, it was kind of like late, like it was almost the end of the party when yeah. we started talking. Did you witness Clint eating I did. metal mics? Yes. We both saw it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So there's a, there's now a, a story that's infamous. It's like in the metal up your podcast canon of Clint, one of the hosts drunkenly mis- mistaken mm. a burrito. No. <laughs> I don't know if he mistakenly, I think he knew it wasn't his. Really? <laughs> but, well, yeah, you might be right. I think he knew it wasn't his. Well, I guess, no, I think he thought someone got it for him. Okay. So, so I went up to him. <laughs> this was like late into the night. Right. <laughs> the party's all about Clint and Ethan and, and their podcast. And everyone's in like fest mode because the next night is going to be the Metallica show. Right. So there's tons of people. They packed out this East Nashville bar called the Cobra. I go up to Clint before the night ends. I was like, hey man, your next drink's on me. What do you want? <laughs> he goes, I'll never forget. His eyes are glazed. And he just goes, anything. <laughs> I go, you sure? Yeah, I was like, at that I'm... point, he would have drank anything. <laughs> I go, I like Jack and Coke. He, he stops me, puts his hand on my shoulder. He goes, anything. <laughs> and so I come back, I'm feeling good. I'm taking a, you know, a lift home. So I don't have to worry about drinking. And, and so I, I have my two Jack and Cokes and I hand, I go to hand it to him and he's already got a burrito in his hand. Right. It was sitting on the side of the, on stage. the stage. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, Oh cool. You got food. And he was like, oh. right. <laughs> just like shrugged his shoulders. He's like, there's a there's a burrito yeah. here. <laughs> the funny thing is, I saw the burrito and I was like, "Oh, I want one of those too." And I saw him eating it, and I'm like, "Is that his? Yeah. Like, did he? Did someone get that for him? Or because I don't remember him going over to the kitchen and ordering one. Uh-huh. He just, I just saw him eating one, and I was like, <laughs> "Hmm." And then it came out. <laughs> it was not his. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> those burritos were really good. They were good though. Yeah. yeah. I dream about those burritos. <laughs> yeah. And Metal Mike definitely dreams about those burritos. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's yeah. such a nice guy. Did you get to hang out with him at all? A little bit. Yeah. I don't know if it was that time or the the year before. Mm-hmm. I've been to all of them, but it seems like every year they get, they get bigger and bigger, mm-hmm. you know, but that one, especially because there were so many people in town anyway for the yeah. Metallica shows. That was, that, that was like my Metallica weekend vacation weekend because yeah. i went to the birmingham show with with clint and ethan yeah then came back up with them i think i stayed with clint that night i probably stayed with clint the whole weekend <laughs> and then uh went to the party and then went to the nashville show the next night and then like i said i think the next night panic at the disco was playing mm. at bridgestone yep and my daughter was going to that show so I stayed in town to hang out with Ethan that that night while she was at that show. Yeah. So it was just like four days of of Metallica. Yeah, that's, <laughs> it was amazing. Yeah, it was such a vibe. Uh, I'm trying to remember, do you have, if my memory serves correct, I think I know why we started the conversation. Do you happen to have a white Cub shirt or a light colored Cub shirt? Grayish? Because I, I think you were wearing a Cubs shirt and that- I might have been wearing the my it's the it's gray it's the, like the world series shirt 
Okay. I bet I was wearing this. I was wearing my Cubs hat. Could have been. That's probably what it was. Yeah, because that's why I went up to you and was like, hey, man. That's what it was. Like, we didn't even talk about Metallica. The reason right. where it was like Cubs. I was wearing, I get, I bet you I was wearing a white Metallica shirt because it was my Metallica weekend. Yeah. But I guarantee I was wearing a Cubs hat. Yeah. That's what I had. It. That's, that's got to be what it there was. There was some bat signal you were putting yeah. out there. <laughs> and so we hit it off then. And then yeah. it was like, cool, you going to the show, you going to the show. And then after the show, I don't think I saw you until we were all walking out together. Yeah. From I didn't the even floor. know. I don't think I knew you were, th I knew you were going to the show. Yeah. But I didn't know where you landed in the audience. Oh, man. And Perfect the show's spot. over. The lights are on. We're all like cattle herding out. Yeah. And you just like, hey, dude. Yeah, you like yeah. came up to me, big <laughs> smile on your face. I think you had a stick or a, a pick. Or did you have a guitar pick? Um, we I swear you had got something. A pick. Okay. I think we got a pick. Yeah. And I just, I, gosh, we were three people from, yeah, from the rail. The rail. Yeah. Which I know that like in that culture, it's like get on the rail. But right. like, first time seeing this band that I grew up listening yeah. to my entire life. Right in front of one of the many microphone stands that yeah. the lead singer James Hetfield is going to go and sing at, like saying "Sad but True" right in front of me. Mm -hmm. You know, like there's plenty of times where guitarist Kirk Hammett would walk over and like lock eyes with people. Yeah, and I remember even getting like nervous and like yeah. looking away because <laughs> I was like, "He's <laughs> looking at me. We we're connecting. Right. It's like I can't even handle it." Yeah. <laughs> Wayne's World. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, like we were walking out and I was, gosh, like it, I think it was such a relief too to have that checked off my list of like, finally, I saw this band right. that I've been listening to my whole life. Yeah. And it's relief. It's gratefulness of like, because with some bands, you just, there could be a huge loss and you may never see them again. Right. They may, may never resurface due to something. And yeah such a good show on top yeah. of that yeah yeah i've learned the last few years with you know tragedies with these band members you just go if you're having second thoughts or you're on the fence man just get those tickets and go because you yeah. never know what's going to happen you know i i saw pearl jam in 2016 at wrigley field mm. and kind of befriended a guy and he just straight up told me, hey, I've got tickets. If you want to come to see Temple of the Dog in San Francisco, I've got a ticket for you. Oh, wow. Uh, you know, I can't get you out there, but if you can get out there, you can go. Mm. And that was, um, that Pearl Jam at Wrigley was two nights. It was a it was a lot of travel for me to get up there and get a hotel for like three or four nights. Yeah. Because they had a day off in between. And I told him, I'm like, man, thank you, but I this is like this was a big expense for me just to come here. Yeah. So to come from Tennessee to, to San Francisco, I don't think I can make it. Mm. And then we all know that Chris Cornell, you know, killed himself like a year later. Yeah. And just, that's just one example of, I wish I would have gone to that show. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, or just other bands just break up, you know, or COVID happens and, you know, you don't see, we haven't seen shows for a year and a half. Mm -hmm. You know, some, some of those bands might not be around anymore. You well, know, let me ask this. Who's, who, if you could name a few people, who, who are some people you want to see that are now on your bucket list? Like I can easily name mm -hmm. 
Jason Isbell is at the top of my list. You know, and I guess the thought is we should keep each other accountable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, well, it's a hard question for me because I have seen, I've seen so many yeah. that I've wanted to see. Um, I mean, like System of a Down or Rage Against the Machine. I never saw those guys. Mm-hmm. And they don't really rage. I don't think rage plays together anymore. They or maybe like one-off stuff here and there. They announced Didn't, stuff. That's right. They announced a tour they right to before cancel. COVID. Yeah. yeah. Those guys I'd like to go see. Yeah. System of a Down would be good. I'm trying to think of current bands because there's a there's a million that aren't together anymore that I'd got, yeah. I'd love to have seen. I don't know. Well, you would obviously see Pearl Jam again because Oh yeah. Oh, I've got tickets to see them. Um, they announced the tour right before COVID and then postponed it. And they just like last week finally said, Hey, <laughs> we're going to release the dates. That concert, that tour is happening in yeah. May of 2022. Yeah. So in like January, we're going to put the dates. So I'm, I'm definitely going to see Pearl Jam again. Yeah. And, that um, was and I was going to tell you though, that I, I'll go see Turnstile with you, uh-huh. but I can't commit because you said it's in May and that Pearl Jam tour is supposedly in May sure. and I've got two they're playing in St. Louis and here. Ooh. So we'll we'll see what happens. Maybe it'll be like the next day. Never like <laughs> like Panic at the Disco and Metallica. Yeah, exactly. Make a little yeah, I mini go to both. festival out yeah, of it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I remember we were at Cobra. This was 2020 just before the pandemic mm-hmm. hit Middle America. They had just announced the Pearl Jam tour, right? And you were ecstatic. We yes. were sitting in the bar, yeah. and like you had your phone out, and you're like, "Here are the dates. Yes, you're gonna do it, Bridgestone." <laughs> yeah. And I was at a point in my life where I was trying to dial it back, right? And I was like, "No, man, I think I'm gonna have to pass on that one. Maybe man. if something comes up." But then I remember why it was so significant to me to remember that is because they were one of the first, if not the first big band to cancel because of COVID. Yeah. They were the first. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that they were definitely the first. They and just it was, it saw was the signs. Yeah. It was heartbreaking. But I mean, it was the right thing to do. Yeah. There's bands out touring right now that I just saw Bad Religion. They oh, cool. they said somebody got COVID and they have to cancel the next two dates. Wow. So you see this, you see that happening every once in a while. Yeah. So it's, I mean, they did the right, they made the right move. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's kind of funny. Like they were the first ones to cancel the tour or postpone a tour. Mm-hmm. And that's like, they're the last ones to start up again. Yeah. Because like uh, most bands have started up, like we were just talking about, most bands have started touring again. Mm-hmm. I saw a bunch of shows just the last few months. Yeah. You know, so I was scared to death. It's kind of a, it was a weird feeling Mm -hmm. to go back out. I mean, there was the joy of being back at shows, but there was also the like, uh, I hope I don't get sick. Yep. I hope I'm not getting other people sick, but we're all here. We're all making that decision to be here. So hopefully it's okay. Mm -hmm. And it, it was, you know, but it's, it's, it's a weird feeling. Like, am I doing the right thing? Mm -hmm. You know, we're all vaccinated every all these shows i went to you had to show that you're vaccinated but even even if you're vaccinated you can still get it there was a small chance that 
someone in there might have had it. You yeah. know, this is weird. It's a weird, it's a weird time right now, yeah. especially for 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 concerts and going to shows. Mm-hmm. So my first crowd thing that I did post COVID was the St. Louis Cardinals versus Cubs game that right, we went to that together. Too. Yeah. That was wild. Yeah. Cause that was what 75% capacity that night. Right. But it felt it full. felt full. Yeah. Especially where we sat. Yeah. We sat in the thick of it. Right. And it didn't help yeah. that we had some some assholes that sat behind us. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but what do you expect when you're in St. Louis? St. Louis. Um, yeah. <laughs> every time I every time I go, it's like that. I don't know if it's because I'm wearing like Cubs gear and they just like they they're directing it at me. Yeah. Maybe from behind, but man, it's every time I've go up there, it's yeah. it's like that. And it sucks. Yeah. Cause it's not like I get the the rivalry and you know, joshing each other, but and because it happens at Wrigley too. Sure. But it just seems friendlier at Wrigley. <laughs> of course it does. At Bush, it's like, <laughs> man, these people are just rude. Yeah. You know, and raunchy. So Yeah, it was it was pretty bad that night. But I, you know, had the same feeling of being in a crowd and wearing a mask and wore the mask the entire game. Right. Unless I was taking a sip of my beer. Right. And like other than that, it was just like, okay, like gotta keep the players safe, keep us yeah. safe. And yeah, just scared for everyone. And yeah, just, it was, I think I'd just been vaccinated for a few weeks at that point. So that was like the only thing that calmed me down was like, okay, right. at least I'm vaccinated and it decreases the chances of right. me either getting it or suffering really bad. Should I get it? Right. So did we have to show our COVID cards? I was going to ask that. I don't remember. I don't think we did. I think we just had to wear a mask. At the gate. Yeah, which is weird. <laughs> Baseball seems to be a little bit, or sports in general, seem to be a little bit more lenient than yeah. the comedy or... The concerts, all the concert concerts world. that I've... Because I've been to like four or five pretty big shows in the last few months, and they all were like, you got to have your card, mm. you know? So... I think a part of it too, there's an Instagram that I follow. I think it's called like Roadie Relief you know, part of it is because so many people depend on jobs for these events. Yeah. It's not just the musician or, you know, the sound guy. Like it's, you know, all these roadies and techs that put together one single event. Right. That you don't see ever. And probably it's because they're wearing all black and you don't. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. They hide really well. Yeah. But we even have friends who are in that world and you just, to see them sit at home doing nothing mm-hmm. has got to be mentally challenging. But then I know through this roadie relief Instagram that there have been a handful of roadies or techs who have, you know, taken their life because they really didn't, especially like think about like a little over a year ago before the vaccines were even a conversation, right? you know, we're just coming out of uh, post-election time. We haven't, uh, you know, gotten out of the 2020 calendar yet, and it felt still so raw. Right. It was just a few months ago that George Floyd was killed, and like mm. that summer felt so heavy. Yeah. You know, and and I could only imagine if you saw your industry dwindling 
it would seem hopeless. Yeah. Because it felt hopeless even for me having a secure job right. through the whole thing. Yeah. Well, there was a point I remember specifically, it was a podcast and they, he had on somebody that was like in the music industry. And this guy was saying, at this point, we might never tour again. This was like early on. Yeah. And I was like, no more concerts ever? Like, that doesn't sound like that can't be real, right? Like, yeah, you know, so I can't imagine if being a crew member and thinking like, I, you know, I don't know what else to do. This mm -hmm. is like all I do, you mm -hmm. know? I can't remember what band it was, but I remember, I think I was at a show. Or no, it couldn't have been. I can't remember what the, I can't remember what the story was, but it was a crew member saying he just bought a house like in January wow. of 2020. And cause like, well, we're, we're go we just announced a tour. We'll be out on the road starting in March for six months. Mm -hmm. And so I just bought a house and then, <laughs> and then never mind, yeah. you know, and we don't know when we're coming back. Yeah. I, I, it's, it was, you know, for the friends I have that are in the music industry that live here, I was like worried about these guys, Yeah, you know, um, me and my wife talked about it a lot. Like we were super lucky because of my job. I didn't get any time off because of COVID. Like where I work is basically considered, what were they calling it? Um, essential. essential. Yeah. So I didn't have, I I got paid every day. You mm -hmm. know, I got paid. I, I was always getting a paycheck, but for the guys I know that are musicians and crew guys, like I was scared to death. Like what are, what are these people going to do? Yeah. You know? And, um, you know, I bought a couple of t-shirts and I donated to a couple of like bands would, put out like okay we're we're gonna put this t-shirt out and all proceeds go to our crew members mm -hmm. or there's like a gofundme set up for our guys yeah and i i don't know how many 10 and 20 and 30 dollars like i donated yeah to that kind of thing because i'm like what you know metallica and dave grohl and eddie vetter those guys are okay they're fine but these other <laughs> smaller bands yeah like that's like they you know that's how they make a living. And good on those guy. bands for supporting yeah, and mentioning yeah, totally. the venues. Mm -hmm. It was about a year ago that I think like the Troubadour and Exit Inn here in Nashville, we didn't know if we were going to see them in 2021. Right. right. You know, and and good on the the bigger names for understanding that like this is important for right. young musicians coming up in the music industry, trying to make it like they, they need those small stages right. to even start somewhere. Yeah. And then the fans as well. Like it's therapeutic, it's community. Yeah. It's life. <laughs> yeah. 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 But it, it, I agree with you. Like I invested a little bit more in friends who were techs or there was a photographer who takes photos of Cubs games hmm. that I follow. And he right. decided to do a limited release t-shirt that was like a design he made. And right. was like, I'm giving you my money. Here you go. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. And that was, it's like, um, getting the shot, getting the vaccine too. It was mm -hmm. like, I mean, I, I just wanted to get it so we could all get back to normal, you know? Yeah. Obviously I want to protect people. I don't want to get it and I don't want to give it to other people, but it's like, we can't get back to normal till everyone or most people till the majority has this shot 
and it's the numbers start coming back down. So I was like, line me up, sign me up. Yeah. I'll be there as soon as I can. Yeah. You know, my wife, she, she had like a cancer scare like two years ago. Mm -hmm. So that's like another reason, like I wanted to get it as soon as I could yeah. to, to keep her from getting it. You know, she's <laughs> like, if she gets it. She's going to be in worse shape, you know? Yeah. So I don't know. I don't want to get too. Well, I'm right there with you. Political or deep about that kind of stuff, but like it, it comes from it, a place of just it's not a selfish motivation. You, you've had some clarity to say, "Hey, this is something that could potentially help not just myself, but someone that I love, right, or someone else's loved one that yeah. I'm sitting next to at a baseball yeah. game." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like we we sat next to some grandmas and right. to, you know couples and <laughs> yeah, you know had old yeah. la old ladies. Um, wearing Cardinals gear at Bush Stadium coming up and complimenting my I'd rather be at Wrigley right. face mask. And, and I just remember being like, really? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Um, for all that for all the razzing we got, that that was hysterical to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, and and unfortunately, I think I don't know how you feel about this. I feel like getting stuck at home or everything shutting down and in a new way of life that was way more simple could have been a good opportunity for people to slow down and rethink certain things. And I think it was for a lot of people, mm -hmm. but then knowing how know, politicians turned a lot of things political yeah, and coming out of it, it's like, I'm trying to remind myself that there are good people on both sides of the aisle. Yeah. It's very hard to do. I'm trying to remind myself that like you and I, or one of our mutual friends or some musician that we like, or even a baseball player, they're going to have a different view than me. Right. But that should not define how I interact with them. Right. How I treat them. Yeah. Vice versa. And that's been, I think, one of the harder things it's definitely been a struggle for me. Yeah. And I hate to admit that I'm like that, but it's like if someone has a different like political view, mm -hmm. I I mean, I, I almost don't want to hear anything from them. And I hate that I feel like that. But I feel like the politicians are the ones that have done that to us. Like there's so much divisiveness that comes out of because I mean, when I was a kid or like in my twenties. It was like, oh, that person's like so like a supporter of so and so. Like I don't believe in that, but we're still friends. Hmm. But like today, <laughs> the last four or five years, it's like I don't want nothing to do with that person. And yeah. I hate that I feel like that, you know, because they're probably a decent person, mm -hmm. but they have this one thing that really turns me off. Yeah. And I don't want to argue with somebody. That's another thing. Like, I don't, I don't want to, uh, I'm not good with like confrontation, hmm. you know? So I'd rather just not even go there with that person. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So yeah, it's a struggle to, to be better than that, mm -hmm. you know? So. And you're a dad, like how has it been over the last couple of years helping guide your kids through a pandemic? Well, the good thing is my dad, my daughter's like, you know, she's in her twenties. So she kind of has a good grasp already. 
on that kind of stuff. Yeah. But yeah, it's hard to, I could tell sometimes she'll say things or ask me things that just cause I'm older and wiser, uh, I can tell <laughs> where she's getting that notion from, which yeah. is Facebook or Reddit or Instagram. And I kind of have to like, kind of tell her, well, let's look at everything. You know, don't believe everything right when you see it. Hmm. Like try to Google it and do some research and read, you know, this is saying this like reputable news source sure. is is saying that that's a little skewed, right? you know, and clickbaity. Hmm. So I've always kind of had a good radar for um, like urban legend type stuff. Okay. Like if I hear an urban legend, when I was a kid, I'd be like, oh my God, Phil Collins. Did you ever hear about Phil Collins in, in the in the air tonight, the urban legend about? No. Oh, really? No. Well, I'll tell you that in a second. I'm just saying like, <laughs> she'll say something and I will immediately be like, okay, that's clickbait. Let's break this down yeah. and, and see what they're really trying to tell you. Sure. Um, Who are they owned by even? Yeah. 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 You can trace so, that sometimes. I'd be like, and hopefully she's kind of, you know, she'll start doing that on her own, breaking mm -hmm. the thing down and not like immediately jumping to the conclusion that they're trying to present to her, you know? Yeah. But you know, you've met her. She's She's got a really good head on her shoulders. Absolutely. You know? Um, so Phil Collins, let's get fun for a second. <laughs> In the air tonight. Yeah. If you, if you listen to that song and read the lyrics, uh, so when Phil Collins was a kid, he was out in the woods and he saw... Um, he saw somebody drowning another guy. Oh. And so when he grew up and he became this famous singer, he wrote this song and he, he found the guy, he found the murderer and befriended him and invited him to his show. And he sang that song to him live on stage. So to like tell him, like, I know what you did. Oh. <laughs> Wow. So when I was like eight years old, I believed that story. Yeah. But it's all bullshit. It's just but an urban... But if you read the lyrics and you have that yeah. story in, in your mind, like you in your eight years old, you're like, oh my God, that's real. Like He's that's got some crazy. Balls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but I guess, I think he was on Howard Stern and he asked him about it. And he's like, first of all, <laughs> no. <laughs> and no, I've never heard that story. And he's like, that song is about me divorcing my wife. Yeah. And so, but yeah, that's that was the story when we were kids. That was the story about that song. That's hilarious. I had never heard that. <laughs> I'm trying to think. Yeah, I mean, you know, I can only think of one obvious one and I'll have to edit this out. Uh oh <laughs> The only... <laughs> Urban legend that I had heard growing up that I can think of right now was Marilyn Manson had ribs removed. Oh, right. Yeah. Right. So he could yeah. bend over. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've heard that one too. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you were going to say Richard Gere. Do you know the Richard Gere one? Was he? <laughs> this one you really have to edit wait, out. Wait, was he the guy who did the exercise show? No, no Richard that's Richard Simmons. Simmons. Okay. Richard Gere's an actor. He's like a real, in the 80s, he was real big. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know, Officer and Gentleman, Pretty Woman. He was in Pretty Woman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. That's Richard Gere. Yeah. I'll, I'll was, Google it. 
yeah, you're not recording. You don't anything. have to cut anything out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just Google Richard Gear Urban Legend. <laughs> yeah. But you're you're younger than me, right? So you might not have heard all this crazy stuff that that I've heard. I mean, I'm <clears throat> I was born in eighty six. Okay. So you're eleven years younger yeah. than me. But I grew up without there was a time before YouTube and Google or right. even the internet. Yeah. And okay, here's one. Here's a reference. I remember watching OJ Simpson live on TV running from the mm -hmm. police. The chase. The chase. You're right. In that white Bronco. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that was one of the biggest stories mm. in the, like, at least in America. Yeah. Yeah. That was on the news every day. There was always an update on the news about it. And that was pre internet. Yeah. And, I just remember speculation and everyone trying to figure it out. Like right. for he... people who are into true crime stuff. Yeah. Like I'm sure they're OJ Simpson podcasts trying to right. break that down, you know? <laughs> yeah. But back in the day, you didn't have podcasts or a space phone in your right. hands. So like you were right. left to draw your own conclusions at the bar or in the sandbox. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's funny about that when when that happened, I was I was living like in Chicago but we had drove up to Wisconsin like three or four hours away. Did you hear the accent come out when you said that? <laughs> Wisconsin. <laughs> um, Sorry. No, that's fine. It's beautiful. <laughs> I feel, you know, I was in Chicago a few, like two months ago for a concert and I could just hear everybody talking like that. And I'm like, man, I, I miss... Oh, dude. I miss the accent. Yes. Is it weird? I, it I is miss not hearing weird. people talk like that. I didn't grow up saying y'all. Right. Yeah. And ever since I moved to Nashville, it seems like y'all has gotten on the like every it's everywhere <laughs> yeah. now. Yeah. And I'm yeah. like, I don't say that. Right. Anyway. Right. Yeah. But <laughs> I I grew up um saying ope or oops. Oh, yeah. Oop. 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 <laughs> <laughs> but I, I do miss it. Yeah, yeah. Sorry to derail. No, but there was a Chicago uh radio program. Guy's name was Jonathan Brandmeyer, mm. Johnny B. He was doing his show in Wisconsin, Wisconsin. <laughs> so we went up there. He was doing a live show and we went up there and that's when the OJ thing was happening. Oh, wow. So like every half an hour, his news guy would chime in with like, oh, we have a breaking story. OJ Simpson is like in his, he's missing. At that point he was missing. Okay. And then a half hour later, it's like, okay, they found him. They think he's like driving. And then like another half hour later, like, okay, they're chasing him down the high. It was the craziest thing to experience the OJ chase, like at a live radio program yeah. where they would just jump in because, you know, if you weren't at home watching it on CNN, like you wouldn't even know what was happening, mm -hmm. but they kept like breaking in on the show to like talk about it yeah, and then doing their goofy DJ radio sure you know goofy bits yeah in between so it was it was it was it was just a, a interesting way to experience that you know and at the time too so like when you think about right now people get out their phones when they're at a rally or even like as a self-defense thing i think about like oh if something goes down i'd get out my phone to video mm -hmm. it as a threat to the other person, like I'm about to put you on the internet or right. I'll have footage. Yeah. You know, rewind to the early 90s, you know, a helicopter circling an event 
and putting it live on TV was like the closest thing that right. you could get to having proof of something. Yeah. And I think OJ was post LA riots. So he would have been post mm-hmm. Rodney King. Yeah. Getting dragged out from his truck. Yeah. Beaten. So we were in this era of this, this time where, you know, helicopter news footage was like hot. Right. You know, it was going to possibly show something. And, and I just think back to the many reasons why OJ was running or whatever. But like, I also immediately think of Rodney King mm-hmm. and being a black man in California with so many policemen chasing you. Right. It's not out of the question that he yeah. could have been beaten half to death yeah. on live TV as yeah. well. Just to give some listeners some context about like that that time, it was it was so interesting uh, that you had to go inside. It was a little bit more committed. Like now we, you mm-hmm. get your news, you pull out your phone, like flip through it. Oh, wow, that's the new tweet. That's the new update. Put your phone back in your pocket. Go about your day. Like, I guess I'm going to hear about this later. Right. But back yeah. then there was just kind of this element of like, what's going to happen. Right. And everyone's watching. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird. It's, it's <laughs> technology in the last like 20, 30 years is just insane. Yeah. You know? It's really weird when you think about it. Yeah. Another one I think of is the Oklahoma City bombing. Mm-hmm. I was at home that day and I remember seeing that live footage. Yeah. Constantly updated. Yeah. You know, they didn't know who did it for a minute. Yeah. If anyone's still listening. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we've mentioned that you're, you're dad, you're married, you live um, here in Tennessee. How did, did you get your kids thinking about like, what you grew up with, did did you introduce music and certain things that you didn't grow up with to your kids Definitely. On, on purpose or um, how'd you do that? Yeah. I mean, music, we always had music in the house when they were growing up and I was, that's one thing my mom was real strict about was music. Hmm. Like the radio was okay, but like, you know, um, vinyl, uh, no, <laughs> we <laughs> rock had, bands weren't yeah, okay. I mean, man, yeah, Metallica and death metal and heavy metal, like anything, anything heavier than what was on the radio, you know, yeah. 80s pop music was not happening. So that was like, I don't care what you guys listen to, my kids, like you can listen to anything you want. I don't, I always, I encourage them to listen to whatever they wanted, wanted to, yeah. you know, because to me, like when I started getting into metal, it was kind of goofy. <laughs> like mm. it was kind of like, this is all kind of like we were talking about like the wrestling stuff. Okay. Like I understood when I did start listening to it, that it's just show. Yeah. Like it's just that these guys are not worshiping the devil. It's, it's like a horror movie. Like kind, Motley kind Crue. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They don't really worship the devil. Like they put on an just, act. Yeah. It's all, it's a horror movie. Yeah. You know, it's a scary movie. So mm. I let them listen to whatever they wanted to. And I would take them to concerts like early, like my daughter's first concert was 311 when she was like nine or 10 years oh, old. Cool. You know what I mean? Yeah. And she wasn't really into it, but <laughs> she went, she was at a rock show. Yeah. I just, I would let them listen to music, whatever they wanted to. Mm-hmm. And that was different than when I was growing up. I had a Metallica shirt that my buddy got, my best friend got for me. And it was the Unforgiven t-shirt oh cool and it said the unforgiven and it had like um i don't even it had like a hangman on it Mm -hmm. i think 
was do you, do you remember that I, image I like that know, shirt yeah but man my mom went crazy you can't wear that yeah the unforgiven jesus forgives all of us you are not unforgiven bradley <laughs> <laughs> so it was that kind of thing and yeah. then like Def Leppard Hysteria I don't know if you know that album cover but I don't it's, there's a like a triangle and there's two like white faces yes I actually uh, just listened they're to they're like kind of screaming a few weeks faces back. Yeah, okay. yeah yeah that shirt was that was too devilish for her Ooh. Def Leppard was that was of the devil in our in our house yeah so I couldn't wear that shirt I couldn't listen to them and I'm a huge like Def Leppard fan. Rick like, Allen? I was. I mean, yeah. when I was younger, they, that was my Pearl Jam at the time. Like I, yeah, Rick Allen, I loved Def Leppard. Yeah. And like started playing drums because of Rick Allen. Oh, wow. Know? But yeah, that was Def Leppard, you know, sing, just silly love songs and yeah. hair, hair. I mean, they are hair metal sure. in, a, in a sense, but that was like, no. <laughs> I felt like they always had a little bit more a little bit more of a soul to them. Just there's something a little bit more touching about their approach to definitely their they're, music. They are definitely, I can't defend them and say they're not hair metal. Right. Sure. But they definitely are a, a notch above the Motley Crue and Poisons. Right. There's definitely something on those first four or five records. That's a little more, what's the word professional. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know what the word is, but, yeah, they were definitely better than those those other bands. It, they were they weren't just the sex, drugs, and rock and roll hair band. Yeah, I don't know. I was a, I guess I was just a lot more lenient with them, hmm. you know. And they both turned out better than <laughs> than me and my sisters did. Oh, really? So yeah, yeah. I, don't, <laughs> I don't think the like being real strict and not letting them experience things. Yeah. I think that was a lot better for them to grow up like that. Yeah. So well, I, I've gotten to know Amanda a little bit mm -hmm. and her husband, and they're both the sweetest people yeah. ever. So I think yeah. you did good. Well, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I told you that before, but I'll say yeah, it. No, so I it's appreciate, on the record. I appreciate you, you it. You did good. Yeah. Yeah. And fast forward a, a little bit later, you went to, of all the shows you've been to, and of all the shows in history, you went to see. <laughs> the show that I'm the most jealous of, which was in Chicago. Mm. You saw the Foo Fighters on their very first tour. Yes. Yeah. With Hovercraft, which yeah. was Eddie Vedder's side, side project. project, yeah. And Mike Watt. Yeah. And then the two bands would get together and be Mike Watt's yes. band. Yeah. Hovercraft opened, then the Foo Fighters. Insane. <laughs> and then, yeah, Mike Watt with Dave Grohl on drums. And Eddie on guitar. Oh man, amazing! Yeah, really amazing. Was it the Metro or Metro? Cubby? Yeah, it was oh, at Metro. Man. Yeah, right across from Wrigley. Yeah, that was um, for me. That was really special because I had never seen Pearl Jam up to that point. Hmm. This was '95, and I just tickets were crazy, and yeah. you know, I was kind of young. I just didn't see Pearl Jam. But the rumor was, and this is before the internet. The rumor was that Eddie was because Eddie was on the record, the Mike Watt record, hmm. he had a single out. So the rumor was, well, Eddie's going to be there, which is kind of crazy because the album that I'm talking about, every song, which there's like 15 or 16 songs on this album, this Mike Watt album. Yeah. He played with different people on every song. As he does. So why isn't the rumor like, 
you know, so-and-so <laughs> from that other song or this person or, yeah. you know, the Beastie Boys or Madonna, you know what I right. mean? Like, why was it Eddie? But it was Eddie. But I, I guess the rumor, I guess it's because the rumor was true <laughs> that Eddie was going to be there. Yeah. And Dave Roll was going to be there. And I, that's the only reason I bought tickets. Like, I didn't know who Mike Watt was, you know? Yeah. So I bought tickets and went and then he showed up and he happened to be in front of me where I... Where I, I just, yeah, I mean, I just happened to be standing on that side of the stage. Wow. And that's where he came out. And that was pretty insane. And the Metro's not that big. No, I think it's a thousand cap. Okay. But it was, to me, it was pretty small. It just yeah. felt small because I was right up front. We got there super early. Mm -hmm. I was right up front. So I was close enough to the stage that it felt small. Mm. And then Eddie comes out and. I'm like, ah. Oh. <laughs> so it was cool. It was really cool because that first Foo Fighters album, I love that album. Yeah. So yeah, Dave comes out and he's playing these songs and it was, it was a, it was a, <laughs> not to pour it on, but it was a great, it was just pour a it great, on, it was a great show. It. <laughs> it, was, it was just so much fun. Yeah. And to see Eddie, like Eddie Fetter, my, my guy, you know, standing up there. How'd you get into Pearl Jam? Were they like, are they your first love or biggest love? Biggest. Yeah. I would say Def Leppard was my first love. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That was like my band. Cause I was, a I was like eight years old and the video for Rock of Ages features the singer with this giant sword, like glowing <laughs> sword. So 80s. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and for some reason that like, that just caught my attention. Yeah. And then when Hysteria came out, I just loved that album so mm -hmm. much and Rick Allen losing an arm, the whole, that whole story. Yeah. And I just loved the drums in general. So that's how I got into them. But how did I get into Pearl Jam? I mean, um, I mean, I've told this story on our show, but basically I'm in high school. I must've been a sophomore, maybe junior. And there was a kid that was like, he was scary. Like I was kind of scared of this kid because mm. he was like, he was a metalhead, but he was into some real like the, like deicide and cannibal corpse, yeah. that kind of stuff. And he was just a scary kid. Okay. Okay. Uh, but one day he was, I overheard him talking and he said, you know who would be cool to see live is that, that band Pearl Jam. And I'm like, this guy, this scary, like devil worshiping, deicide listening, this guy likes Pearl Jam, yeah. like a grunge band. Yeah. And I'm like, that just, that caught my attention. And I, I like went home and watched the video for Even Flow. Hmm. And that, when Eddie jumps off of the, the, the balcony into yeah. the crowd, and the look on his face when he like lands and they catch him, that like, that kind of like, that was the, that was the kernel. That was the beginning yeah. of me getting into them. And then I bought the album 10 mm. and listened to it. That was like part one. Part two was that I worked at uh, Great America, Six Flags, and a guy had the Temple of the Dog soundtrack. Mm. And the singles, not soundtrack, the Temple of the Dog album and the singles soundtrack, which I don't know if you're familiar with singles. No. It's a Cameron Crowe movie okay. that came out. That They filmed it before like Seattle and grunge took off. Oh. 
And it's about a bunch of like 20 something singles that live in Seattle. And the backdrop is they go to shows all the time. And I... The shows are Alice in Chains, Pearl Jam. There's a band called Citizen Dick, uh-huh. which is actually Eddie and Jeff and Stone and Matt Dillon, okay. the actor. They are in a band called Citizen Dick <laughs> okay. in the movie. Yeah. And Matt Dillon is one of the like singles, one of the like main characters in the movie. Yeah. So as a as a, like a 90s Seattle grunge fan, mm-hmm. this movie is like mind-blowing because like there's Alice in Chains in the background of this club that the characters are like having a having conversation. Anyway, the singles soundtrack is like Soundgar- uh, Soundgarden, Chris Cornell, Pearl Jam has two songs. There's a Mud Honey song. Oh, cool. There's a Hendrix song because he's from Seattle. Yeah, um, it's an amazing soundtrack. Anyway, <laughs> I would listen to Temple of the Dog and the single soundtrack, and the two Pearl Jam tracks would just like stick out. I got the ten CD mm-hmm. and single soundtrack and Temple of the Dog, and I'm like, I'm coming from like. Def Leppard and Guns N' Roses and Metallica background. Yeah. And then I hear this new music and it's these bands and then smells like teen spirit. Like it, I was the perfect age. I was like 16, you know, that just the perfect age for that whole thing to yeah. happen. You know, that was your yeah. thing. Like yeah, you were a part totally, of it. Totally. So wow. yeah, that's how I got into them. And that kind of changed like <laughs> everything, everything I was about. Cause like I said, I was into like the thrash music and the hard rock music. And mm-hmm. then this happened. And again, like that kid having like an open mind to be like Pearl Jam, they kind of look cool. Yeah. That kind of changed my mind too. Like I don't have to just be like, a Metallica kid. Hmm. I can listen to other stuff because I always liked other music, but like, you know, you, you kind of feel like you can't, if you listen to Metallica, you can't listen to journey. You hmm. know what I mean? Or like tell anyone that you like Barry Manilow songs. It like, was very separated. Yeah. 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 And even the grunge thing was, but I loved it so much. Yeah. I loved that music so much. But that kind of, that was like, the, like right now, like I could give a fuck if you or anyone was like, you can't listen to so-and-so because you, <laughs> you like Metallica. Right. Like I, I'll, listen so to, I'll listen to anything and I don't care who knows, you know what I mean? Yeah. Which I wish I had been like that back then because there's other bands I've like discovered along the way that I'm like, why haven't I, why didn't I listen to this 10 years ago? Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. So... I'm in the same boat. Like there were things that maybe in the early 2000s or 2010-ish in my life where I just kind of put them to the side and was like, no, like this is who I am. I'm a a rocker or that's too emo or too emotional or that's too poppy. Yeah. Which is so silly that I would say that because a lot of the things that I also really loved were some of the things that I was saying I didn't like. Right. So yeah. I just was young and dumb yeah. is how I chalk that up. Yeah. Like you're just being stupid yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or just putting up a, putting up a front to 
you know, keep yourself in your own corner of what yeah. you like. And, yeah. and as a result, there are so many people that I hang out with who are like musical encyclopedias. Yeah. And I'm like, I've never heard of this, this, and this, and this. So I didn't realize that those people influence these other people. And I see where, because I cut myself off at certain points in my life or was just so satisfied with knowing about one band or the other that yeah. I just didn't venture yeah. out. And I would have been so much more satisfied mm -hmm. if I just let my guard down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know? Well, there, you know, Fall Out Boy. I, I mean, you might not realize this or think this. I love Fall Out Boy. Yeah. Like, I absolutely love their music. That's another one. Like you said, emo, like when they got big, like my little nieces and nephews were into them. And I'm like, mm. that's like some little emo. I don't listen to that. I'm an, yeah. I'm an adult. Yeah. <laughs> wow. My best friend was like, oh, dude, this I love this song. And it was Sugar, We're Going Down. I'm like, this? Yeah. You like this? Yeah. He's like, yeah, this song is so good. <laughs> I'm like, what? And then I listened to the album and I'm like, this is good. Mm. Like, it's so, it's so, it's, I, I, I kind of relate them to like Green Day. Like they're, it's so insanely catchy. Yeah. Those riffs are so insanely catchy that I can't help but to like it. And and the singer, Patrick Stump from Fall Out Boy, like, yeah. man, like his voice is so good. Yeah. Like he's, he, it's almost like he shouldn't be in that band. He should be doing like, like, um, like pop music or something. He's sure. like soulful pop music. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Cause his voice doesn't really fit. I get, I mean, my opinion, like doesn't really fit with like the emo screamo pop punk music. Yeah. But it fits perfectly with that band. Yeah. And again, like, I don't know, do I look like your typical Fall Out Boy fan? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> he got to sing the but, national anthem during the 2016 world series. At Wrigley. Yeah. At Wrigley. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, well, which, they're from Chicago, right? So, which good for him. That's another thing. Like, I I like that those guys are from like our hometown. Yeah, you know, there's a little extra juice for me to like them because they're from they're from Chicago. Yeah, you know. So we we started getting into this at the coffee shop. How did single podcast theory start up? Good job. <laughs> yes, got it. Oh man, it's kind of crazy. Uh, I'll try to. I'll try to give you the short version, but there is like a weird like butterfly effect. Like my brain, the way my brain works, I'm like, what if Metallica never got together in 1981? <laughs> there would be no single podcast theory. You're not the only person who thinks of that shit because I, I cannot tell you how many nights I've been awake at 3 a.m., Right, thinking the craziest, <laughs> yeah. like, you know, yeah. tunnel yeah. thoughts. Like, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if that makes sense. But well, just like I mean, basically, like, I'll tell you the real short version. Uh, the guy that does the show with me, Brad Lyons, we met and we never, we didn't know each other. We met through a mutual friend. Hmm. We got on the phone, which is funny because I, my our mutual friend, which I'll get into that in a minute, but he was like, yeah, this dude wants, I have a friend that wants to do a Pearl Jam podcast, but his buddy crapped out on him. So mm. do you want to do it? And I'm like, yeah. So in my mind, I'm like, oh my God, I'm about to get on the phone with the world's biggest Pearl Jam fan. <laughs> and like, I've only seen them like nine times <laughs> and he's probably seen them like a hundred. So we get on the phone, 
hit it off immediately. One of those weird things, like we talked for like 45 minutes. The first time we ever spoke to each other, we were on the phone for 45 minutes. And at some point I'm like, um, so how many times have you seen them? Cause I'm like, I I have to tell him, like, I'm not the biggest, I'm not the world's biggest fan. Like yeah. he probably is. And he's like, Oh, like once I'm like, you've only seen Pearl Jam once. <laughs> what? He's like, yeah, it was like 1998. I'm like, that's 20 years ago. Yeah. Like what? <laughs> He's like, how many times have you seen him? I'm like, nine. I guess I am the world's biggest Pearl Jam fan. <laughs> nah, but so like we we obviously we hit it off really good, started the show, and um we've been doing it for gosh, I guess it's three years, four years now. Nice. I don't even know. Yeah. Three or four years coming up. But so that's the short version. Mm-hmm. But the like crazy long version is that. Before the obviously before we started the show, I didn't even know Brad Lyons. All I knew was I'm I bought tickets because Metallica announced a new tour. Yeah. So I bought tickets to see them at at Bush Stadium in St. Louis. Right. In 2017. And I think that show was June or July. Yes. Okay. Summertime and it rained yeah. hard that day. Oh yeah. 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 So I'm like clicking away on the on the Googles and I'm like, you know what? I should look up a podcast, a Metallica. I wonder if there's any Metallica podcasts. Yeah. I look it up and there is one called Metal Up Your Podcast with Clinton Ethan, people I don't know. <laughs> so I start listening to their show. These dudes are hilarious. They're musicians, which they're professional musicians, which gives it a little more, it's not just two dudes you know, in their basement talking about Metallica. <laughs> like they have some knowledge of the music industry. And so the the conversations about Metallica are way more nerdy and informative because they're professional musicians and obviously fans. Yeah. So I, I'm one of these people that um, I start emailing them, you know, and, and telling them like, yeah, like, you know, uh, this is how I would sequence master of puppets, or this is <laughs> like my dream set list. Uh, cause that's who I am. I'm one of these nerds. I love Metallica. Yeah. And, um, you know, I've never written in <laughs> uh, to, them. to them. Yeah. Really? And I've, I've had those conversations in my head about my favorite yeah. bands. Yeah. So I'm wondering if like, <laughs> Never mind. Well, <laughs> I, I wonder if they would, they would probably roll their eyes now since they know me. Too. Right. <laughs> be like, why That's are you doing a weird this? thing. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. I haven't emailed them uh, since I've like met them and become friends with them. Yeah. Cause that would be weird, right? <laughs> I guess it would, it, but maybe I they would, but, but I miss it. I miss emailing them and getting like a response from them. I think if you was, said that they would immediately <laughs> read it. Maybe. Um, so anyway, like that, I would email them and I'd, he- they would email me back. Like Clint, Clint and Ethan would both separately or, you know, one of them would e- like email me back. And I'm like, this is cool. And then they mentioned that, that they're in Nashville and that like blew my mind. Cause I'm like, these dudes must be they're you know, they're rock stars. They're professional yeah. musicians. They probably live in California. They are rock stars. Or, well, they are. <laughs> <laughs> but so I'm like, they must live like in New York City or California, Hollywood. They're they're musicians, and they mention they live in Nashville. I'm like Nashville, like I'm two hours away from Nashville. <laughs> like I'm in Nashville all the time at concerts. So we just we became friendly like through the emails. So then I get an email 
saying that I've won Snake Pit passes for the Metallica show. Through the podcast? Through, no, 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 no. Through Metallica. Oh. Okay. Metallica, like when they put out a tour, yeah. they also put your name in the hat for these Snake Pit passes, which you have to buy a ticket. You have to have a concert ticket. But if you win the Snake Pit pass, you get to come down into the Snake Pit, which is right in front of the stage. Yeah. So I won a pair of these Snake Pit passes and I don't have anyone to go with me. And I saw, I'm like, I emailed Clinton Ethan. I'm like, hey guys, like, <laughs> I can't believe this, but I won Snake Pit passes and I only have one. So you two are going to have to fight over it, but I'm offering <laughs> it to, to you guys if you can make it. And Ethan was like, dude, thank you. But I'm in, I'm, I'm on tour in Europe, so I can't go. Loser. But <laughs> <laughs> So Clint was like, well, we're, he was like, we're on tour, but I might be able to make it. Let me look. Long story short, he, his tour was ending. The last show was in Oklahoma the night before the Metallica show in St. Louis. St. Louis just happens to be on the route home from, from Oklahoma to Nashville. You drive right through St. Louis. Yeah. He was like, I can't believe it, but I'm, I guess I'm coming. Yeah. I'll meet you there. And so we're like furiously emailing. And then I think he offered like his phone number so I could text him because right. that would be easier. And I just remember the funniest thing was at some point my wife was like, you don't even know this guy. Like, what if he murders you, <laughs> you know? And I'm like, I mean, yeah, I don't know him, but like we've emailed a few times. She's like, oh, well... I trust you. Just be careful. <laughs> and so at some point I had to, we had to call each other because I was like this texting, it's not working. So I think I asked him, Oh, I know what it was. Is he was, we got, we, we, we were going to meet at the show and then after the show drive all the way home. Mm. And my wife was like, man, it's going to be midnight. And St. Louis to Nashville is like, I don't know, four hours. It's solid Something four. like that. I'm yeah. like, you guys are going to be tired. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, we should get a hotel. So I'm like, dude, can you call me or can I call you? Because I need to talk to you because I couldn't just text you about. Yeah. And so we got on the phone and it was weird to hear the guy that I've heard his <laughs> voice on the show. And we're talking and he was like, yeah, my wife was saying the same thing. Like, you guys should stay it's going to be a long day. Right. And it turned out to be like, there's no way we could have drove home. So anyway, <laughs> at some point he was like, yeah, my wife was saying like, you know, you don't really know this guy. He's just a listener. He could murder you. <laughs> I said, my wife said the same thing. <laughs> so he was like, yeah, we're, we're good. But anyway, so we go to the show, have a great time. After the show, he sees I've got a Pearl Jam tattoo. And he's like, oh, you like Pearl Jam? Like, that's that's cool. My buddy, who's also named Brad, has a Pearl Jam podcast. Yeah. And and I'm like, really? I'm like, that's great. I'd love to listen to it. He said, yeah, he's recorded a few episodes, but it hasn't come out yet. And inside, I'm like dying because I'm like, all I want to do in this life is a Pearl Jam podcast. Nice. And someone else is, is doing it. Because in my mind, like, well, someone's doing it. You can't have, there can't be two Pearl Jam podcasts. Right. 
So I just was like, ha, ah, that's great. And I felt like <laughs> awful inside. And uh, I was like, yeah, let me know when it comes out. He's like, I definitely will. And then like, I mean, I don't think it was two weeks later. He, he texted me and he's like, Hey, do you remember my buddy's got a Pearl Jam podcast? Like his, his other, the other guy like crapped out. Can you, do you want to do it? And I just was like, I can't believe I'm getting this, this message, you yeah. know, it was crazy. And I was like, yeah. And then when we got on the phone and that was it going back to what I was saying, like if Metallica doesn't get together in 1981, mm -hmm. then Clint and Ethan don't start a Metallica podcast and I don't win those passes and I don't meet Clint. So I don't meet Brad to, to start the Pearl Jam podcast. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's that, that stuff. Like I think about that stuff, like you said, at three in the morning, like laying in bed. Yeah. Like that's really weird. It you doesn't know? go back to 81 for me, but it goes back to 1998. My sister, I just moved back from Oklahoma my sister befriended a guy who was touring in a band, a pop punk band called Goaty Hook. And she got free passes to go to the show. And she was like, you know, I'll come in town. We'll go together and we'll go see the show. And there are two opening bands. The first one were, were the Dingies and the second one was Value Pack. And they had the same drummer for both bands because mm. I guess Value Pack's drummer couldn't do the tour or whatever. And watch both the bands and, and like you know, thoroughly enjoyed it. I was 12 years old, just like, you know, rock show. Yeah. You yeah. know, there's probably 200 people there and it just felt great. So my thing was, is I already knew the guy that my sister knew and I was trying to meet as many as the band members as right. I could just yeah, to like yeah. ask them about music, gear, like whatever. I was just that kid who was annoying. who was like, <laughs> what drumsticks do you play? Yeah. That, uh, so I went up to, the drummer for Dingy's and Value Pack. So this was May of 98. And I was like, what kind of drumsticks do you use? And that drummer was Ethan. Right. Lo and behold, like I didn't know until the last couple of years, that was his first tour. Wow. Ever. Yeah. So, yeah, I've uh, never heard this. I know you've met Ethan in the last few years, but I didn't know this goes yeah. back 20 years. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. And like he literally... So looking back on it now, <laughs> all of those guys were being really nice. Yeah. And I think a lot of it was because, you know, they were coming out of kind of this sub genre culture and Christian music. And a lot of places they were probably being grilled about whether they were Christian enough or right. whatever. Whereas yeah. me as a kid, like I, I, I wanted to talk to the drummers about yeah. drumming. Yeah. And I was 12 and just like, Oh, coming from a 12 year old, it's like pure enthusiasm. Yeah. So, and, and Adam from Goaty Hook and Ethan were the the nicest about yeah. it because they knew like you're at 12. That is the age where most kids really blossom with right. music. Yeah. And I'll never forget, and I've told Ethan this before, like first conversation was about drumsticks. Just like yeah. what drumsticks do you use? And then he he did that thing where, you know, he was like, well, you know, to, to get your best bang for your buck, you should get these. Right. He was like, I don't have them, but my friend plays them and they last for forever. And there were these drumsticks called hot sticks. And I don't know if you remember these drumsticks, they were painted. So they had like neon colors. Yeah. And yeah. Because of the paint, they right. would last like super long time. Yeah. So yeah, I went home and bought like 10 pairs of hot sticks. And <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. But yeah, like they, you know, somehow ran across Ethan when Instagram came out. He started a podcast around the time that I was doing a podcast. 
when I moved to Nashville, he was one of the first people I hit up. Yeah. It's just like, hey, uh, I th- it might have been over Metal Up Your Podcast. I don't remember. I think I just emailed him through right. his podcast. DM'd him. Yeah. Yeah. Just like, I'm going to try and come to your show. Right. And just, just knew that like, he's a good dude. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but thankfully, you know, you're a good guy. Clint's a good guy. <laughs> yeah. No one's murdered anyone right. here. <laughs> yeah. And we don't do a, a murder, uh, mystery <laughs> podcast either. Right. So it's kind of, kind of unique to be doing a podcast this day and age. Cause the murder mystery stuff has taken over. Right. Podcast. Yeah world have you seen the show the hulu show uh murders only, only in the building yeah 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 just started it really good two episodes really in. good yeah selena gomez mm-hmm. great yeah martin short my steve favorite martin and martin <laughs> steve short are insane <laughs> so good yeah yeah i grew up watching uh father of the bride yeah martin short i don't think i discovered until probably into adulthood and like realized like oh this guy is like He's yeah. special in it. Yeah. A gym. Well, like I said, I'm an old man. I go back to the, like the '80s <laughs> SNL when he was he was a character called Ed Grimley on SNL. Okay. And he was, I mean, just YouTube it. It's, yeah. It's classic Martin Short weird character yeah. stuff. You know. What's the other? Who have you ever seen when he he dresses up like in a fat suit and he's interviewing celebrities? No. I, I can't remember the name. I'll remember it, but you got to watch that too. I'll look it up. He's, he's like an entertainment reporter interviewing celebrities. <laughs> and I mean, his his voice is part of the the comedy, but it's the way he like speaks is so funny. Yeah. And he pretty much like roasts the celebrities, you know? I mean, they obviously know it's Martin Short, but right. like he just says like the meanest things <laughs> in the guise of, you know, of, of interviewing them yeah. you know it's it's really funny i will definitely look but that, that dude, up yeah that dude is classic you know comedian yeah. but yeah that show is really good um did ethan does he remember this 98 meeting no no <laughs> but you've you've asked him about it yeah i brought it up yeah he signed i think i had like every band member so oh my gosh <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> You fangirl. Looking at the, you fangirled out on well, him. Well, <laughs> I was going so going back to the nineties, you know, when you met somebody, getting their signature was a huge totally. deal. Totally. Getting their autograph. Yeah. yeah. And even bands like that who were not, you know, playing the basement east or the metro in Chicago, like they're playing like tiny little yeah. venues. Yeah. All of them all like they all had a Sharpie. Mm-hmm. Just because like that's just Right. What you do. And I remember I got it in my head. I had my first snare drum and I still have it. And I was like, you know what? I will just get everyone to sign my drum. Wow. And I'll just like fill it up with signatures of my yeah. first few shows. Yeah. And so I took that in and <laughs> I just took my drum in at the end of the show and just went. I, I forgot about that. Like I actually took it up on stage and was like, will you sign my drum? <laughs> so that's how they all knew I was a drummer. Right. You know? Yeah. But I did take a picture of the, the head that he signed. I'll never forget this. I, I held it up to the wall and it's a clear head mm-hmm. and I just took a photo of his signature. Yeah. <laughs> he messaged me back. He's like, 
what did I sign a refrigerator? Because <laughs> <laughs> I didn't like yeah. zoom out. Right. I just got right up on the signature. Yeah. So that's funny. So I have an Instagram message here that I was told to ask you about when your daughter Amanda was 13 and she made you dress up for a Taylor Swift concert. <laughs> and then I have a photo of you guys. Oh my God. <laughs> what's what's going on Someone here? Someone sent you that? Um, your daughter. Oh. <laughs> uh, well, yeah. I mean, basically, if we were going to... That must have been the Red Tour. Oh, cool. Here in Nashville. Yeah. Um, and something that... My daughter is a huge... Taylor Swift fan, which they're called Swifties. Mm. So what the Swifties like to do is they all dress up. And if you're lucky enough, someone in the Swifty camp will like notice you. They, that's what they call it. Like you want to get noticed and you might get like maybe a pick or upgraded tickets, or you might get to meet Taylor. Ooh. So as a, as embarrassing as that picture is, I wanted to do it. Yeah. And, um, we didn't get noticed, <laughs> but I, I mean, I would do anything for her to meet Taylor Swift mm -hmm. because just like you meeting the dingies, just like me meeting the different people I've met, you know, rock yeah. stars that I'm fans of, I know how much it would mean to her. So that was, um, uh, I think that was the red tour, which there's Taylor Swift song 22. Hmm. I think if you look at that shirt, it says I'm feeling 42 <laughs> because I was probably 42 at the time, 41, yeah. something like that. Yeah. So yeah, um, I wore the hat and the sunglasses and the shirt. But yeah, that was, I mean, and she's all, she's dressed up. She looks great, you know, <laughs> <laughs> but I got a lot of comments on my shirt, Yeah. you know, and people stopping me like, what does it say? And, uh, yeah, that was a that was a fun time. That was the show. I think that was the first time I took her to see Taylor Swift. Oh, cool! And we had like the nosebleediest seats <laughs> in Bridgestone. <laughs> Literally, I could touch the wall yeah. of the Bridgestone Arena. That's mm -hmm. how high up we it's were. A steep, but section. But we weren't. Uh, the stage was like where this table is. We were like straight up on the side, hmm. like looking down. So it's not like we were in the very back. Yeah. And we were, but we were all the way up. And um, there was a elderly lady sitting in the row in front of us with some little girls, which was cute. Yeah. But Amanda, she thought she was on the rail. So she was screaming and carrying on as loud as she could. And I have a great picture of the old lady doing this. <laughs> Plugging her ears. Because <laughs> of your daughter. <laughs> because of my daughter. But Amanda did Amazing. not care. She's yeah. like, I don't care. I'm yeah. here. I want Taylor to hear me. Uh-huh. We have another picture. Uh, look on that picture. Are we holding the you got num a number 13? Yeah. Okay. So that 13 lights up. That's another thing. Yeah. It looks like a Christmas thing. Yeah. That's another thing the Swifties do. They make some really cool, like, light up signs. And we have... We have a great picture from somebody on the floor. Yeah. 
And all you see is that 13 <laughs> way up in the sky. You see that 13 lit up. Cool. And I'm like, that's us. That was us up there. You can't see us because yeah, <laughs> right. the picture's taken on the floor. But it's pretty cool that that 13, we could tell that like, you know, if Taylor looked up there, she could see it. Sure. <laughs> so yeah, that was, that was an exciting, it was, a, it was an exciting show. And I think Ed Sheeran opened that, that show, Ooh. which was amazing because that guy. It's taken off. Dude. I mean, like whatever you think about his music is, is one thing, but if you've ever seen him live, mm -hmm. he uses like, I don't know what the word is, but it's like the looping technology Yeah, where he'll like, he'll tap it and he'll start doing like a beat right. on his guitar and then he'll tap it again and it starts looping and then he'll, he'll play like a riff yeah. and loop that and then play live and sing over and there's like four different loops going on. Mm -hmm. And I'm like watching this as like, I don't play guitar, but I know I kind of play the drums. So I know like it's complicated. And this dude's like setting all these loops and he's got to hit them at the right time. And then he's playing live to Bridgestone Arena. Yeah. It was awesome. Yeah. It was really cool. Yeah. You nailed it. It is looping. <laughs> okay. Yeah. But is that machine called something? A looper. It's okay. All yeah. right. Well, there you go. You nailed it. <laughs> I didn't even know that's what, how he started out on that tour. Like I yeah. thought he would have been full production pop band, mm, you know, not that I but know that's, of. that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. I've not taken a deep dive into Ed Sheeran. I just know yeah. of his recent hits, if anything, mm. I know over the last couple of years. Well, I, I only, I mean, I know like his hits because through Amanda and the Swifties, like they love him mm. because at that point, like him and Taylor, I think they did a song together. Okay, sure. Um, and then they toured together. And I think she really like, like built him up, you know? Yeah. And that's kind of how he got his, maybe not got his start, but um, he played at Memphis in May, like a year later. Mm. And I took Amanda to that show. And that was full on, like, that was crazy because he had the giant, like, screens behind him. Mm -hmm. And I think he did a song for, maybe for Game of Thrones or some kind of sci-fi fantasy. Yeah. I just remember, like, a dragon being involved. <laughs> but the giant screen, I just remember, like, fire and, like, a dragon flying behind him. And uh -huh. it's just him with the looper and his guitar wow. on this giant stage and this giant screen. And that was, that was a pretty cool show too. Like I'm not his biggest fan, but like I, my thing is like, I love live music, mm -hmm. like except for country music. Like I'll, I might not be into a certain band, sure, but if I'm there and there's four or five human beings yeah. on a stage playing like live amps in your face, music mm -hmm. i mean i don't care what you're singing i think that's just like amazing yeah it's amazing i think some people take it for granted i hate when fans of bands are like oh they played like their greatest hits and i'm like yeah but <laughs> like they were doing it live in front of you yeah like that's so crazy like mm -hmm. do you know what it takes for for one person to play a song and to have it sound right and then to have four or five people play different parts to make it sound like that's an amazing feat. And to do it again. And yeah. And again. <laughs> yeah. 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 And I'm like, I, I, I don't Pearl Jam fans just say the same thing. Like, well, when even flow comes on, I'm taking a piss. <laughs> I'm like, 
But there's a reason why they call it their greatest hits. Yeah. Those are their greatest songs. Yeah. So to see them playing those songs live is, I mean, I love the nerdy deep cuts also. Mm-hmm. I want to see them play that stuff too. Yeah. But I'm never going to complain about hearing even flow for the 20th time. No. You know, or, or better man or whatever. Sure. Hit whatever hit. Cause that's why it's a hit. Cause yeah. it's an amazing song. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I wasn't so. bitching and complaining when the unforgiven two or Sandman right. were playing yeah. at the Metallica show. Yeah. Like that's why I went. Yeah. And for the millions of other fans who have never seen these bands. Yeah. Like I would be really upset if I walked out of there and they didn't play one. <laughs> right. Or yeah. they skipped, you know, I don't know, whatever other bajillion hit. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that Metallica has, yeah. you know, but they're those staples that as much as it's fun to listen to hardwire, hardwired and all the new material, mm-hmm. there's still some things that like I want as my first experience because yeah. yeah. I know that they do it every other show. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. I think that Dave Grohl put it perfectly that there are some bands like Radiohead or even Nine Inch Nails, they will intentionally play shows where you do not know what they're going to get. Mm-hmm. You do not know what you'll get. You don't know what they're going to play. They will play something that maybe you've never heard before or thought of. And that's kind of that band's culture and vibe. Yeah. You know, like I saw Nine Inch Nails and I guarantee they played one or two songs that I had no idea existed. Right. You know, just even though I, I consider myself a fan. Right. And I love their music. But there comes a point where it's like, you've got to connect with people and you've got to play something that's going to get the entire place engaged, especially for those new people who have never seen your band before. Yeah. And I respect that. Like it's, you know, I've been through my phases. Like I said, I was definitely hard on music and musicians for a phase of my life. And then you just kind of realize like, especially if you've had tragedy strike and that's how I got into some of my favorite musicians and bands was through tragic things and being able to connect with them not even on a musical level but just on a human level you just become grateful like oh they they get to do this yeah i get to do this like we we get to do this in the same room together yeah going in that same theme like the last i guess 5 years i've met you know clint and ethan and become friendly with them and met some of their musician friends mm-hmm. and it's really changed my perspective on like you said these are human beings they're not just like rock stars that are different they're they're just people doing yeah. this thing so that's changed like my whole perspective on like they're just regular people mm-hmm. like i never saw them like that before I saw them as like superhuman in a way and to have a conversation with somebody that I always saw as like a rock star and then just have a normal conversation. Mm-hmm. It's like really changed my view on all of these rock stars. Yeah. You know, and not in a bad way. Kind of brought it, brought them back to earth. Sure. You know, but it's kind of cool. Like, I don't know, to see somebody as like a regular person, you know, instead of like the superhuman thing almost makes it more interesting that they're they're just a regular person doing this superhuman thing. Yeah. And then go back to their regular life. 
I think know. if I met Eddie Vedder, I would just want to ask him like what movies he's into. Because that's something right. I don't run a podcast about Eddie Vedder's <laughs> band. So I don't know yeah. what interview he said in 1993 or 2007 right. where he mentioned his favorite movies. Right. But if I were to meet him at a bar, there's a part of me that just wants to know like, yeah, not your deepest, darkest political view or right. thing, but like, what do you enjoy? What do you yeah. do on a day off? Yeah. Well, like, I don't want to talk about Pearl Jam, you know? Yeah. Because I know, I me personally, I probably know more than he does. <laughs> you know what I mean? You do. Because I, I, you know, I do all this like research and I, you know, read all this stuff, Yeah, you know? And that's kind of like, I, I almost don't want any of them to listen to our show because <laughs> it would kind of be embarrassing yeah. in a sense that I'm like paying this much attention to those dudes, you know, yeah. I, I, I mean, I don't know. I feel like they might be weirded out. If yeah. They knew that I was talking <laughs> about them. You know what I mean? It's one of the reasons I, <laughs> I mean, yeah, but then again, they've probably have seen weirder shit yeah. over the years. You know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's true too. Thanks for coming on and really glad. I didn't expect you to drive into town yeah. today. But I'm really glad you no, did. No, it worked and, out. I had it's. I did not plan to be on vacation all week, um, but the way the days off, and then I had like extra vacation time I have to take by the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, it just worked. And Thanksgiving is a weird thing. They give us like an extra day off during the week to make up for you know corporate bastards. Yeah, they can't give us 48 <laughs> hours. So what they do is they give us eight hours for Thursday and yeah. then give us three days off during the week mm. instead of the two days. So anyway, yeah, it worked out where like I work Saturday and I'm off until Friday and it gave me something to do. I haven't been here in a while. I've been to Nashville in a while Yeah, and I got the the new car. So I'm like, I need places to go to yeah. drive to. So did I... T- I, you know, I went to like three concerts in four days, like two months ago. I saw I it on your Instagram. You, <laughs> you were like, busy. I think I went like 1,200 miles or something yep. like that. Because I got the car and I told my wife, I'm like, well, we got the car. I'll save on, because I always rent a car when I go out of town. Because mm-hmm. I'm like, I have the worst luck with my cars breaking down. Yeah. So that's like one thing about going to shows is I have to rent a car and get a hotel. Yeah. So we got the car. I don't need a rental. And I've got a buddy that lives in Kentucky. So I didn't have to get a hotel to go to all those shows either. I just had to get the tickets. Nice. So anyway, I'm just trying to say <laughs> it gave me something to do today yeah, to dude. drive to Nashville. And I'm hoping you still want to go to a record store when we yes. get done. If yes. not, I'll go by myself. But yeah. Where I live, there's no record stores. Yeah, I <laughs> so. I know that the one I was really hoping we could hit up Phonolux. Yeah, they're closed on Mondays. Yeah, so that's a bummer. But yes, I'm still down to to All go right, cool. <laughs> go pick some vinyl and maybe we'll yeah. post about that later. Yeah, but yeah, but dude, thank you for having me. This is this is great. Yeah, this is one thing I love. Like, I mean, the I kind of I'll try to make this quick. I love Kevin Smith, and he is. He's a filmmaker, but he's also a podcaster. Yes. And he talks about the reason he loves podcasts so much is because he just gets to sit and 
bullshit with his friends. Mm -hmm. And it's like the funnest thing ever. So anyone that's listening to this, I'm telling you the same thing. Start a podcast because it is, it's fun to just sit and talk with your friends. That's what me and Brad do. Yeah. Yes. We talk about Pearl Jam, but half of the show is me and him just shooting the shit. And you know, Clint and Ethan do the same thing. I've said this before too. We've stolen completely from Clint and Ethan, like the format. Yeah. We do the exact same thing that they, those guys do. And it's fun. It's fun to just sit and talk and do this. So I encourage anyone for your mental health, start a podcast because Mm -hmm. it really is fun to just sit and talk to your friends. Absolutely. Goof around. Or if you get deep, that works too. You know, you can get emotional with your friends and talk about stuff. (laughs) That's, that works too. It does. It can be therapeutic and Mm -hmm. it is equally, I think it's therapeutic, whether it's, it's deep or just fun. Right. You know, totally. it's, it's just like, we were talking about this in the car. It, helped us be intentional about hanging out today. Right. And yeah, like this is kind of the build up and we're going to go look at records. Right. But like we wouldn't have gone, we had plenty of other conversation. We filled up probably an hour or so at yeah. the, the coffee shop just catching up. Right. And that was more important for this. This is important. Right. But that was equally <laughs> yeah. important. Yeah. If not more important yeah. to you and I's friendship mm-hmm. and to, to my day and where I am in my life to be able to have that separate conversation of just like, what have you been up to? Yeah. How's life? And then, you know, you've seen some things, you've been through some things that I haven't seen. Yeah. So you may dog on your age, but it's like, <laughs> there's things I need to hear from you yeah. that help me yeah. at this stage in my wow. life. So, you know, I appreciate you and appreciate your friendship. And I don't have to say that on a podcast, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, you're putting it out there. That's good. Yeah, man. No, I appreciate it. So. Well, thank you. Yeah, man. Thank you. All right, there we have it. It's in the can. My conversation with the one and only Mr. Brad Blazik. Thank you so much for coming on, Brad. Go check out Brad's podcast that he hosts with another Brad, Brad Lyons, called Single Podcast Theory, a Pearl Jam podcast. It's a good time. I like checking in on it. It's It gives me info on the band because I'm not the hugest Pearl Jam fan, but I've, I've found their podcast to be a lot of fun to listen to. All right. You guys take care of yourselves. I hope you have a good and safe week. We'll be back next week with an all new episode. Laters. Bye.